you know, if it's a nice day outside, I'll just go rock climbing and, you know, kind of this little side hustle where I make vans and, and, uh, and I was just totally destroyed immediately. And now, <laughs> now, now I've been working 60 hour weeks for as long as the business has been open. And Welcome to Appalachian Startup, stories of new ideas that eventually became thriving businesses in areas that most would consider a bad investment. I'm J.D. Belcher, and I started this podcast because I took the same path as a lot of these folks. I'm a former coal miner, and now I make films with my own production company called JJN Multimedia. I wanted to hear others speak of their journey to not only give new beginners hope, but to help me grow as a fellow entrepreneur. Michael Williams is a climber at heart. A custom camper van builder is a close second, though. His company, Bridgebound Campers, began as a side hustle, a way to pay bills while having fun, allowing him the free time to be his own boss and hit the mountainsides on sunny days. It quickly grew to where his waiting list was a year long, and he could employ fellow Appalachians to dive in on his dream with him. We went through the process of transforming these vans into a wildlife lover's resort and also some of the technical side of how he's approaching the business side of things away from the mountain. Enjoy. Uh, the name, so we're kind of uh, in transition there too. So we're, the name's Bridgebound Campers. Um, originally, um, my previous career, I was in writing. So I was, uh, um, I wrote the rock climbing guidebook for this area. Um, and I was a uh, editor for a rock climbing magazine. So when that kind of all came to an end and I was, you know, wondering what I was going to do with my life, I, I looked at self-publishing some books and, you know, the bridge, uh, books have a binding. There was bridge bound. I thought that was a great name for a publishing company. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, then, then when I started this van thing, it was kind of like, you know, I started doing it for friends and just, you know, getting paid under the table. And then after a while, I was like, man, I need to start paying taxes. Got to start an LLC. And this all happened real fast. And it was still like in my garage at home thinking this is probably going to be a failed business in like a year. I didn't put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> right. so, so I just, I just kept the, uh, the bridge bound, um, name and I, it works, you know, you're, these vans are for outdoor oriented people <clears throat> and we live in a touristy area, you know, people come to raft and they come to climb. And so they are heading for the bridge. They're bridge bound. So that's where Perfect. that name came from. Perfect name. You know, when you decided, well, I'm going to make this a business. Did you kind of, did you create a business plan or build kind of a business model or was it trial and error kind of as you went? I have no background in business <laughs> at all. I, I wouldn't even have known how to, to create a business plan and, and probably still don't, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I was good at building vans. Um, you know, what we do now, we're really good at bu building vans. We're still kind of winging the, the business, the business side of it. Right. Yep. How'd you figure out what your labor cost? Like, like, well, I'll log how many hours it took me to do this one van and then kind of, is that kind of how you did it or? I am still struggling with pricing. Like it, it, that is, that's the hardest challenge. Um, especially with, uh, with something like, um, a niche product, like a camper van. So these, these vans, there's a lot of different companies like mine out there and, and prices range from, you know, relatively low to a lot of these vans are, are well upwards of a hundred thousand dollars, you know, into $150,000. So the pricing is kind of like what are willing people willing to pay for things. And, um, we're certainly 
keep, we certainly keep our prices low. We're able to do that because we're in West Virginia. Um, you know, in comparison to a lot of other companies, we don't want to rip people off. We want to be fair. At the same time, we need to make money. Sure, yeah. Um, and I always think of it as kind of like, um, it's, it's similar to art, right? So you have, you know, with art, it's very subjective, you know? So if somebody puts a really high price tag on their art, all of a sudden it's worth more, you know? <laughs> and, and so it's really hard to price these vans because, um, you know, there's, there's, there's little benchmark for it. And you've got prices that vary all over the board. So. Sure. Do you not have, what would be considered competition? In the east, there's very few of us, um, but out west, there's uh, there's there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, custom van builders, and and we're we're actually kind of transitioning away from strictly custom vans and moving to more of a um, a configurable van. So we'll have um, standardized components that are somewhat modular. So <clears throat> so we'll be able to produce vans faster than we were because we're not building a specific cabinet, for example, that we're only going to build once. Now we're going to build it many times and the customer can choose to have that cabinet or not have that cabinet. So they'll be able to, to piece it together. Um, so that's going to allow us to, to we'll, be, we'll be able to produce a higher quality product faster for less money. Makes sense. How many do you have helping you? Two guys. You know, take me through the process. What's the first thing you do when the van comes in? Do you kind of sketch out like, well, okay, let's do this and this, or or is it kind of a, a, a format now that you do every van? Like you have, you know, four or five different versions of this van and you pick one of those. Yeah. So, um, and I, I'll add to the last question. My wife also helps. She's, uh, she's taken on some of the, uh, some of the work too, but in the shop, it's, it's, it's myself and, and two guys. So, um, in the past, it was very custom, you know, we would sit down or over the phone or over email with a customer and they would sketch out what they wanted and, and we would pretty much build what they had in mind. Um, they would always come to us with a plan and, and there would be tweaks that have to be made. You know, you can't do this and this, you know, one thing here and one thing there. So we would work with them to, um, to build those. Now it's, now it's going to be, um, what you were saying where it's uh it's more standardized so we'll have maybe six different floor plans so it's very simple there's only one kind of van we work on um and it's actually a lot easier for the customers they would a lot of times get overwhelmed you know when you you tell them hey what kind of uh color of laminate do you want you can go on lowes.com and they have a thousand choices and it's like whoa you're never going to hear back from these people because they're <laughs> right. it's going to take them a week to decide uh and now it's like you know we have two colors and it's it's this or this and it's it's um it's a lot easier for uh for everyone yeah it makes sense is this uh, the vans standardly for like the outdoorsman right like are these vans that you can just take out on the road for months and and you know be okay <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like I said, it doesn't have a bathroom, so it's not, it's not, um, comfortable. <laughs> they, they are comfortable. I shouldn't say that. It's, it just depends on your level of comfort, you know? And, and, um, you know, like myself, I went all those years in a van and never even thought like, oh man, I need a shower in here. It's just like you go to a gym or, or, um, you know, truck stops and take showers. <clears throat> so yeah, they're comfortable. You could live in them. Um, the ones we're designing now are, are, geared more towards the um yeah like adventure crowd so it would be more of the weekend warrior and then also um people that want to take extended trips you know say they go out out west for the summer um you'd be totally fine probably not something you want to live in full time you know year round though you definitely could 
if you were comfortable doing that. It's your own little apartment. You can do whatever you want. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what would be the best marketing tools? It kind of word of mouth or did you, you know, start a Facebook page and say, Hey, we build vans now. Or, you know, what was that early beginning like? So, oddly, I've, I've made a, um, conscious effort to minimize marketing. <laughs> we, we pretty much within two months of starting the business, I was so overwhelmed with customers that we couldn't keep up and it just got worse and worse. So we've got a Facebook page. Um, it's, it's all been word of mouth, have a website, but recently in the past couple months, because, um, we've been so busy, I just stopped posting on <laughs> social media and I'm hoping to just like kind of fly under the radar. Um, we've got plenty of work more than we can handle. And, uh, hopefully we'll get to a point where we actually have to market and, <laughs> and advertise, uh, because, you know, we'll be able to produce faster, but it's a good problem to have. Uh, how long does it take from start to finish to produce one van right now? We were at about two months for a custom van, two to three months, depending on the um, size of the project. And we're hoping to get that down to closer to a month with the standardized designs. What's your lead time? Like wh how many vans do you have waiting to be built? Right now we're, we're, uh, we've got three at the shop. Um, and another that's, that's uh, another customer that's pre-ordered, but, um, you know, we got to where we had a year long waiting list and that was last spring and I stopped taking orders last spring. So it took us a year to get to where we could have the time to, um, sit down and like design these modular components and, and make this transition. Mm -hmm. So it's been in the works for a long time to, to like, yeah, to get rid of that backlog and start fresh. Awesome. And when you start fresh, are you... Uh are you kind of, have you learned over this past year kind of what that system's going to look like? Or do you know, like, well, you know, if I take on one van every three months, that's probably about, you know, right. Or. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're actually actively working on that, you know, today we're building templates and figuring out how long it takes to, to create things. Um, but we'll, we'll end up, we'll just, anybody that pre-orders, you know, it'll just be kind of like, you kind of get in line. We're going to work as fast as we can and um, try to not have people's vans and have, have a long line. But certainly if somebody's like, you know, Hey, we want a van. What's your schedule look like? We might say, Oh, we can't get you in for four months. But in today's, today's world, like that, that would be four months would be pretty quick. Uh, most of the custom builders are, are year, at least a year out. And a lot of that had to do with the, um, with COVID, the, the, just, it's been crazy. Everybody had the same idea all at once. They're like, we, we don't want to fly in airplanes. We don't want to go to the beach or around people. We just want our own little way to travel in our own little private um, escape pod. And so everybody had the same idea to get a camper van all at the same time. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because when it, did you see an influx as, you know, a couple months after the pandemic began? Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe I didn't personally see it because, you know, like I said, we stopped taking orders and, and, um, the camper van thing has, has been, you know, on the up for a long time. Um, especially because it took a long time for the larger companies to catch up to what the new, uh, age of people want, you know, the older folks, retirees were always driving these tour bus motorhomes and, you know, companies like Winnebago continue to produce those, um, thinking that, that's what people want. All of a sudden people my age, um, you know, are 
younger in their 40s, 50s, they're retiring and now they want a van. They don't want the tour bus, you know. So it's been it's been um it's been on the up for a long time. COVID just like made it explode. I would imagine. Um so take me through piece by piece like so I can kind of picture the van like uh, tell me what kind of features it has when you open the van that's not that didn't that the van didn't come stock with. Yeah, so we we take it when it's a cargo van, it's completely empty. Doesn't have windows, it's just a metal shell. Um we start on the, all the exterior components, so we'll put in windows, we put in four windows. Uh we do a roof rack. Oh uh, gosh, solar panels. We do all the stuff on the outside of the vehicle. Um and then if you walk in the door right in front of you, you're going to have like a like a kitchen, you know, so you've got your sink and your stove and a countertop. Um and then in the back of the van, You've got your bed and under the bed, you have a large storage space and utility cabinets where we put the water tank and the electrical. Um, that's kind of the basic idea. We can customize it in you know many ways. So we can put a bench seat in there that turns into a bed. Um, uh, we can put in fork mounts for mountain bikes if it's mountain biking people. So they, they really get to still design, design their van specific to their lifestyle. Cool. The solar panels. How much does that? How much power does that uh, offer? Our our standard package is 175 watts. Um, it's not a ton. Solar is pretty unreliable, especially here in the east. Um, you know, if it's winter time, you're getting glancing rays from the side. If you have 170 watt panels up there, you might be getting 30. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe maybe even less. It's got to be really prime conditions to to get. Uh, to get everything out of your solar panels. We can add more solar, uh, you know, there's room on the roof, but really most of your power comes from driving. So we charge the batteries when you drive around and then also uh, a shore, shore power plug so they can charge if you plug into a wall outlet. Oh, cool. So there's multiple batteries. Yes, we put in a lithium battery system that's um, 250 amp hours. It's a pretty substantial battery system. Where did you come from before you arrived in Fayetteville? Like, I know you mentioned being a rock climber got you here. When was that that you arrived? Um, I probably took my first trip here in the late 90s, early 2000s, sometime around then. And then I started guiding up here around 2004, I believe. And I, was, I would stay here in the summer and then travel out west in the winter. Um, then my wife was a school teacher. So later we would, you know, spend the summers out West and then spend the winters here. And that's kind of when I got in out of guiding and into, uh, into writing, I had a different job. Oh, cool. So guiding, uh, like a trail guide, uh, rock climbing guide. Oh, awesome. Um, how did, uh, how did you get into that? Like, I'm assuming you learned climbing when you were young and kind of just got bit by the bug or. Not too much. I, um, you know, when I was little, I, I wanted to be a rock climber, but, uh, you know, at the time we moved around a lot. I was in South Carolina, Pittsburgh, you know, there's not a lot of climbing and that was before climbing gyms. So there wasn't exposure to it. I knew in the back of my head, I was like, I like to climb stuff, you know, <laughs> I get up in trees and, and, uh, I had this idea. I wanted to be a rock climber. So I went to college in, um, Brevard, uh, which is uh, outside of Asheville, North Carolina. So there's big mountains there and rocks to climb and and um, I specifically chose that college to get into climbing, to be around rocks. And then um, I majored in wilderness leadership and experiential education, which is uh, taking people outdoors and, and um, 
you know, learning through the wilderness, the kind of outward bound type programs. So I did that for quite a few years also working with um, at-risk youth in the wilderness. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. So what drew you to Fayetteville that you just said, well, let's move there and, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, with, with climbing, um, I was taking trips up from North Carolina. The, the rock in North Carolina is generally uh, what they call slabby. You know, it's kind of like, it, it's not steep. It's the opposite of steep. And so coming up here to West Virginia, the rock is steep. It's a different kind of climbing and, and just kind of started to really like the place. Um, and then over the years, you know, traveling out West and visited all the major and minor rock climbing destinations and, and the new was just always the best. And so when it came time to like find a place to settle in, this was the place I kept coming back to. And there's really no question. This is the best place for, well, for me, I think it's the best place for a rock climber to live. Mm -hmm. And is that, you know, in part to the community too, that's around? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've never been into this city life. I don't need a whole lot of, um, city stuff <laughs> and, and to live in Fayetteville, you really have to be pretty chill. Cause we, we go through winters here. You live here. It's, it's, uh, it's very slow. There's not a lot going on and, um, you've got to adjust or, or be the kind of person that, um, that likes that kind of lifestyle where small town, I, I like to walk to the bank and, and talk to the people behind the counter. You know, that's, that's what I like about living here, getting to know all of the other businesses around our business and, you know, people say hi to you and it's really cool. The other businesses, do you, have you found kind of a support amongst the entrepreneur community here or is there, you know, friends that you lean on, like say, Hey, what, do you have any tips on how to do this or how to, you know, do you kind of have a circle that you've developed or? Uh, not so much. We're all, you know, we're all pretty close in town and I, I certainly know the folks at Waterstone especially have, have been incredibly supportive in everything I've done right from the beginning. And you'll hear that from anybody in the rock climbing community. Um, you know, it was, it was that crew, Kenny and Gene and Mora and Elena, um, that, uh, Elena and the guide service, um, New River Mountain Guides, she still does. Um, and, uh, those folks were the ones that kind of got me the guidebook, you know, they were like, Oh, somebody needs to write a guidebook. How about this guy pitch that my way? And, and so, you know, there, there's definitely support. I know, um, I built a van out for, uh, Kim Shingledecker that owns pies and pints. She stops by occasionally and she's always like, you know, giving me pointers like, why, why is it, why don't you have more workers in here right now? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. She's really supportive. She wants to see, uh, see me succeed. And, and uh, it's really nice. Yeah. That's awesome. How many vans have you built since you began? We do a lot of, it's hard to say, you know, I've, I was looking through my list, my customer list. I kind of keep records and there's gotta be, you know, close to 50 to 75 names in there. A lot of those customers, we will do um, kind of partial or component installs. We get a lot of folks that just want an electrical system or um, people are scared to cut holes in their van. We do a lot of window installs and uh, ceiling fans, that kind of thing. Um, but full build outs, you know, like I was saying, we probably, probably about every two months we would turn one out and we've been in business three years. So did you know early on, like, okay, I got to hire some help. Like when, when did you decide to pull that trigger on bringing in people to, to help? Yeah. I mean, the initial idea was that I wasn't going to, I, I, I really liked the idea of, of working by myself and for myself. And I had this idea that like, you know, if it's a nice day outside, I'll just go rock climbing and, you know, kind of this little side hustle where I make vans and, and, uh, and I was just totally destroyed immediately. And now, <laughs> now, now I've been working 60 hour weeks for as long as 
the business has been open and um it took about maybe a, a year before I, I brought in um dave uh, my david wolf my first um employee when you brought him in did you kind of develop a way to train them or was he like okay yeah grab this piece put it there you know or did you kind of have a system that you brought him into well i mean I, I i went to him specifically and asked him to to work for the company because i knew that he was awesome so he <laughs> he, he built his own house you know and I, I figure if you could build your own house you could build a van it's a lot of the same stuff plumbing and electrical and and woodworking um he's also had experience um with uh working for john petrotich um i forget the name of the company they they use barnwood um to build custom furniture in the basement of this building used to be <laughs> oh awesome <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know i guess they're not there anymore but um uh, john moved somewhere else but anyway dave's dave's a fantastic woodworker and he's better than i am at a lot of stuff so it's nice to you know he can he can do better job than I can in a lot of ways. Oh, awesome. Well, bringing someone in like that, did it kind of level up the business? Like, did he bring certain ideas to the table that made things faster or more efficient or? Yeah, we're always, we're always trying to figure stuff out like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, a lot of great ideas. Good deal. Do you do like custom interior or like any kind of like cloth work or, or stuff like that too? Or is it? Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, we we use a quarter inch Baltic birch plywood for the walls and we cover that with um a tweed fabric. Um so the interior has like a, a fabric look. We use some bamboo components also. Bamboo plywood looks really nice. Um as far as soft goods, we used to get that stuff um sewn from we we outsource that, the the sewing. I used to sew the curtains and I realized it takes me too long and and so now we uh we outsource all the soft goods. Oh, cool. And your materials, do you have a certain outlet that you go to, to, to bring the materials in or do you order online or? No. Yeah. And that's, that's also, I would say this, the second biggest challenge of the business is sourcing materials. We, um, you would think that some people think, Oh, there must be like an RV distributor website that you go on and there's just not, not for what we do. So a lot of our components are, have nothing to do with the van world you know it's just hundreds of hours of research to find uh, you know something like this little switch plate or or something you know from some other industry and um and and piece it together COVID has also had a major impact on our um on materials and being able to source materials we've had some parts that we used to be able to get amazon prime you know two days and and then it's now it's like two weeks some of the components were like three months back ordered. We've had, so some of the things we use have been months and months that we cannot get them at all. Did you have to pivot from ways you did things to the new way to do things because of that? Absolutely. So we, yeah, we, the way I used to do it is the customer would uh, drop off the van with 50% of their total cost. So we would use that initial um, deposit and we could order all the materials and they would all show up in about two weeks. And now I feel like we, like our windows, for example, we have to pre-order before they're manufactured. So we've got, we make a large purchase. Um, we don't see those materials for three to four months. Um, and because we have to do that for so many expensive components, now we have to have probably close to $80,000 in liquid capital that's just in, in the business floating around. <laughs> you know, the parts that are already paid for that we haven't seen yet. 
So that, that's a huge difference, you know, to come out of a single car garage where you can, you know, work with the customer, take a little bit of their money, buy all the stuff, build them a van. So now it's like, we just couldn't, we wouldn't succeed at all if we didn't have, um, yeah, if we, if we didn't have the money to be able to, to front all that cost, right. so, which is a challenge. It's been challenging this year to adjust to that. For sure. Is there anything that comes to mind about like what you wish you would have knew before you started or anything that you learned along the way that you never thought you would, you know, be, be a part of build, you know, converting vans? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, it's the business end of it. That's, that's been the, the most challenging. And, um, yeah, I wish, uh, I, I, I think had I known that we were going to be successful and that we would have had you know, to, when, when I started out, like I said, I thought I was going to just fail. <laughs> and so when you're going in with that kind of mindset, um, it's hard to plan to, to plan for a bigger success, right? So when we're looking for a building, we're looking, you know, just everything about it. Had I gone in with a slower, um, more deliberate plan, uh, I think we would have, you know, been able to, to uh, adjust. Makes better. sense. Yep. What advice would you give to someone in this area that's looking to start a business? Like, what are some of the qualities you need to have to be sustainable, you know, here in Southern West Virginia? I, I think the, the most challenging part of, of being in this area is that you have to have a business that um, you're... I, I hate to say it, but you're, you're going to have to sell to customers outside of this area, <laughs> uh, depending on what it is. I mean, certainly if you open a restaurant, there's plenty of people that need to eat, but for something like, um, like our camper vans, I think we've had, you know, a handful, less than a handful of people from West Virginia that buy these vans. We've had two customers from California. Um, so, you know, looking outside of, of this immediate area, there's just not a population density here. So if you want to sell, you know, like I said, if you're, if you're in the food business, people have to eat, but there's, there's not a whole lot of, um, if you have a niche business, you're not going to sell to, you're not going to have enough customers in this immediate area. Mm -hmm. How do they branch out? Like, uh, you know, Mitch with you is mostly word of mouth. Uh, how did, how did you convince that first person? Like, sure. Yeah. I'll pay you, you know, whatever it costs to convert a van. Like, uh, did it automatically just branch off from there? So the, the way I actually started was, um, oh, like I said, I was working, you know, built a little bit for friends that just had seen that I had built my own van and knew that I could do it. And then um, to kick off the business, I bought a van and built it and sold it. So we created some kind of like media from that. We had like a little YouTube video and, and pictures. And, you know, once people saw that van and that van sold, I got quite a few calls um, right after that they were like oh is that van still for sale no it's not but i can build you one that was, that's how it went did you pretty much sell it at cost or did you you know try to make a little profit off that first one or i definitely made a profit um you know that same van i think is on its third owner now and it's last i saw it it was listed for more than i sold it for <laughs> so, and that was you know three three years ago and three different owners so it it's held its value um and that that has to do with just the where the market is right now. So it's really hard to find vans and everybody wants one. So, um, but yeah, I, I made a little bit of profit on it. I think had I waited a little bit longer, I could have gotten more for it, but you know, it's kind of nervous. It's like 
two weeks went by and you know there's very few very little interest so you start thinking like oh man what if i don't sell this thing and yeah it gets you say so yeah then you just kind of right come down a little bit so it's just a self-funded you know you believed in yourself and just tried to see what happens and it just took off from there yeah i mean i had pretty minimal life savings but it, all of it went into <laughs> into that yeah so that's all that had to go for it that's great what's the plans like are you how long do you have a certain amount of time you're going to continue this or are you plan on doing it well into the future and you know maybe training someone else to to do all the hard leg work one day or what's the plan yeah i mean i mean we're going to keep doing it for sure um i'd like to see the business grow it has the potential to grow as big as i want it to and um that's kind of the balance trying to find that balance you know we could get a huge building and a bunch of employees and and be stressed out all the time you know and and just keep growing and growing and there's there's that avenue you could take and um there's also you know the other side of that is like well how do you want your life to be and your lifestyle and i think there's kind of a middle ground there i think we can grow um i think we can by doing the things that we're doing now and and taking the steps we're taking we're going to be able to meet demand and still not have to work 60 hour weeks you know that's that's the goal is to kind of find that balance where we have have more time to spend with my family and do cool things and take vans out and go camping haven't done that yet <laughs> you know i can keep making vans and sending them out i'm like man that looks like fun no way you <laughs> haven't took one out yet no i mean we yeah we don't we don't have one <laughs> i have one now working on it now but um but yeah we haven't used it yet it's not built so you gotta build it how can someone find out about when to purchase <laughs> or when, when, it, when it's available to inquire about, the, about getting a van converted? Yeah, we're doing it now. Yeah, we, we're taking pre-orders and um, we've got one in the parking lot we're getting ready to work on and uh, another customer behind that. Um, so yeah, we're, we're taking orders. Awesome. They can just reach out through your Facebook page or... Yeah, we have a website. It's bridgeboundcampers.com. Our new project, we're kind of labeling it. Um, it's kind of slightly branded different. Our product is Crag Vans. We also have a website there. It's called cragvans.com. Crag is like a rocky outcrop. It's a climber term. So it's kind of, <laughs> that's where that, that name came from. A um, little throwback to the climbing lifestyle thing. But um, yeah, we're taking orders and they can find information on the web or, or just ask anybody in Fayetteville. It's easy to find us. Awesome. So Crag Vans is climber specific? Are you it's a climbing, climbing specific name right yeah i mean and this this was funny too um when you were asking about the name before in bridgebound campers and and uh when we decided to to create this new product and i wanted kind of a new name for this product and i was like oh ascent vans that was it because i wanted to tie it back to like what we do here in fayetteville it's a climb, rock climbing area i thought ascent vans was really cool so this was right around the time that backcountry.com this is a website that started suing a bunch of people for using the term backcountry and um all these little businesses maybe this little business in idaho was called like backcountry skis or something this huge corporation comes down on them and tells them they have to change their name and sues them and all this stuff so i said okay i, I need to get this trademark you know because a sense a very common word uh, immediately i got a cnd from subaru they have a they have a, a suv called the ascent like oh man so Got a trademark attorney. We went through like three or four different names and um, they were all, none of them worked. So we ended up with Crag Vans. That was not trademarked. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So that's how we ended up there. But yeah, I wanted, wanted it to have something to do with rock climbing because um, 
that's where I come from. You know, that's what our town is about in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, so that's, that's why we did it. Michael, your three-year-long journey of building your dream while hitting the mountains is an inspiring one. Thank you for your time, and we'll be hoping you'll dive into the multimedia-themed van one day. Find out more about Bridgebound Campers by visiting their Facebook page, and also don't forget to inquire on their website at bridgeboundcampers.com. Appalachian Startup is a bi-weekly podcast, so be sure to check back for more stories of entrepreneurship. Like us on Facebook and Instagram and support the show by grabbing a sticker from our online store at AppalachianStartup.com. Review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as well. We are on Patreon. You can support the show there and allow us to showcase more businesses in Appalachia. Stay tuned for more stories of underdogs on the rise. Mm-hmm.